Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, the Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised, infallible, and impregnable word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's our Pastor Albert with today's word. Glory to God. The Lord has given me a message for this house, and I believe that this message is not only for this house, but for every hearer listening to this uh, on the podcast, on the internet, or even right here in these chairs. Praise God. The title is called The Untapped Resource of Prayer. The Untapped Resource of Prayer. We're going to read from James chapter 5. And we're going to start at verse number 13, and we're going to read all the way through 18. I'll give you a moment to find that. Hallelujah. If you have it, say amen. Amen. Praise God. Starting at verse number 13 in James chapter 5, and the word of the Lord says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespass to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Glory to God. You may take your seats this morning in the presence of the Lord. The untapped resource of prayer. That is again the title of our message this morning. How many know that prayer is our spiritual dynamite? Hallelujah. I think of the, the show, uh, 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 Good Times, right? J.J. Uh, uh, Evans was going, Dynamite! Hallelujah. Listen, when God's people begin to pray, Hallelujah! Dynamite is released. Glory to God. You cannot live without prayer. Prayer is like breathing. Just like we can't live without air, we cannot live this spiritual life without prayer. Prayer is one of the most powerful, effective, and wonderful things a Christian can do on this earth. How many know that God loves to answer prayers? God hearkens his ear to our prayers. Glory to God. And and I want to just let you know 
that God is attentive, at the ready. He is standing by, listening, waiting to hear you pray. Can you imagine that? The creator of heaven and earth, the Lord of the heavens and the earth, the one who spoke a word and galaxies were formed and the one who said, let there be light, let there be dark. And, and that God is waiting for you to speak to him. You know, the word hearken, I say this a lot on Wednesday nights, but the word hearken, what it really means, it, it's like when you're in a restaurant and a waitress or a waiter has a tray with a whole bunch of cups and dishes and all of a sudden they, they lose their footing and the tray goes to the floor and all of a sudden all the dishes, bling, 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 everything just breaks and crashes. What do you think happens immediately? The whole restaurant, no matter where you are, no matter what jokes you're listening to, everything stops and everybody goes... Right? Our attention is drawn to the sound of the crash. And so what happens is we hearken to the sound of the crash. And when God hearkens his ear to the prayers of his children, it is like that sound that causes a disturbance in heaven. It causes a movement. And God says, wait a minute, hold up. Yes. Hold it. My daughter is calling on me. My son is calling on my name. My child, hold, hold it, time out. My son is calling on me. That's how God hearkens his ear to you and I. Glory to God. We really don't realize how powerful, how effective, what a great resource prayer is. If more people understood the power of prayer, the whole body of Christ, it would be a whole different ballgame out here. Every great man or woman of God in Scripture has had a lifestyle or a daily devotion with prayer with God in prayer and this is why when I use the word untapped I, I, I say this word for a very particular reason it's untapped because not everybody is praying not everybody has tapped into the power of prayer not everyone will even spend five minutes in prayer and therefore, it is an untapped resource. It's like having a million dollars in your spiritual bank account, but you don't have the key to unlock the door. You understand? You have all the resources available to you in your account, but it needs a key. Prayer is that key that opens that little bank door. Hallelujah. And whoosh, the resources pour out. You see, Jesus himself, our Father, hallelujah, Jesus himself, he prayed every single day. And Jesus is God. Jesus was never caught off guard. He was never surprised by anything. Jesus was always prepared. How many understand that prayer prepares you for what's coming? Right. When you have a lifestyle of prayer, you're not caught by surprise. You are more proactive in your life than reactive. So when the bills come, when the enemy comes, you're already at the door going, Ch -ch -ch. 
Right? Many of us, we wait for the thief, the robber to come in your house to take your goods and then you go, oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh my God, let me call the pastor. Turn your neighbor and say, I hope he ain't talking about you. Praise God. Hallelujah. But listen, before every miracle that we read in Scripture, if you go before a couple of verses, you will find that Jesus separated himself to pray. Jesus went into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus went into the mountaintop to pray. Jesus went into a solitary place. Jesus went into the secret place to pray. Everywhere he went, where he did great miracles, miraculous signs and wonders, there was always a time of prayer before the miracle. Glory to God. How many know that even in that time of prayer, not only will you be endowed with supernatural, heavenly power from the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, but God will also reveal his plan, his will, his strategy, his purpose, his destiny. God will reveal himself to you as you pray. We see this acted out in scripture where Jesus went up to Nathanael. This was the very first time Nathanael ever met the Lord. He says, you are a true Israelite. What? What are you talking? I saw you this morning under the fig tree praying. You truly are an Israelite. Nathaniel was like, dude, I just met you today. How do you know I was under the tree? Why? Because in his time of prayer, God revealed it to him. Jesus told his disciples on his way to Jerusalem, he said, listen, go to this city. You're going to find a colt tied up and untie it, loose the colt and bring it to me. And if the master of the house says, dude, what are you doing? Tell him when the master has need of it. Hallelujah. And he'll let you go. And what exactly happened? Those disciples went into the village. They saw a colt that was never ridden upon. And they took it. The owner came out, said the master has need of it. And just like Jesus said, it happened word for word. Fulfilling a prophecy. Look at this. On the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John, they see the Lord transfigured. They see Elijah. They see Moses. And, and Jesus had been preparing in, in times of prayer with them and, and being refreshed and encouraged. And they saw it. And they're saying, oh, Lord, uh, should we build an altar here? One for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. No, 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 no. Don't build nothing. We still got work to do. Let's go down. Amen. We got things to do. All right, dudes, peace out. I'll see you later. And he gets back to his natural state. And what do they do? They come down the mountain because he knew, you, you know, up there in the ministry of, of, of wonder, of beauty, uh, nothing gets done in the valley. Hallelujah. We all want to have mountaintop living. We all want to bask in the presence of God forever. We all want to stay in the glory of God forever. And no one wants to come down and do the work. Hallelujah. But Jesus said, listen, there's work to be done. I'll be back up there soon. But right now, we got to go back down to the village. And the minute he came down, what happened? There was a boy with epilepsy. He, boom, he healed him. Then there was a demon, dumb, deaf, demon-possessed dude. He casted out that deaf and dumb spirit, right? So that means the prayer in that season prepared him for what was about to take place. People of God, you got to understand, prayer produces power 
Prayer produces intimacy. You get to have a relationship with the Father in heaven. Glory to God. Let me read some things to you. Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. How many are righteous in this place? Hallelujah. God hears your prayer this morning. Psalm 66, 19. But certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Glory to God. Seven times in the passage that we read this morning, the word prayer is used. Glory to God. The word says, let him pray. Let them pray. The prayer of faith. Pray for one another. The prayer of the righteous. Pray earnestly. And then he prayed again. Isn't there an overwhelming pattern that's developing here? Isn't there something that we should be taking apart and, and extracting for ourselves? What is the key? What is the, the blessing of the healing and the forgiveness of sin and the power? It all comes through prayer. It's an untapped resource. And you know, isn't it sad that so many people worry and complain and they doubt and there's so much uh, 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 stuff that we see in the body of Christ and, and, and the real true reason that there's weakness and suffering and increased doubt and even a loss of trust is because people are not praying. Prayer is like a diamond in the rough. It's, it's got great value, but it still has some stuff and it's hidden underneath imperfections and, and, and impurities and, and as the, 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 the jeweler I don't know much about diamonds but as they start cutting off all that other stuff you have this bright beautiful uh, polished diamond people need to stop worrying so much and start praying if you've been in this church even for a little bit of time you've heard us say worry is a substitute for prayer people that are worried are not praying People that are all worried about stuff. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? Oh They're not praying. Show me a person who's always negative and fearful, and I'll show you a person who isn't praying. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, that hurt. Hallelujah. Praise God. I know. I know. I feel you. Hallelujah. I can feel the laser beams. Hallelujah. Praise God. But listen, the truth is praying is paramount for the believer. Praying is paramount to your relationship with God. It, it builds character. It builds stamina. It builds fortitude. If you don't pray, you go with an empty tank. You got nothing in you. Praying gets results. Prayer works. Brother Allen just testified to something that, that he did. He started to trust God, not because the pastor said, but because the word said it. And he began to trust God, and now he's here testifying of the goodness of the Lord. Is it any wonder why people would often turn away from prayer? You know, think, think of prayer meetings. Prayer meetings are the least attended meetings in the church. And there are times where we, we have a prayer meeting in church, and there's always someone in the corner sleeping. You see, the enemy knows that, that 
that when you, when you are, are prayed up, he's out the door. He's evicted. He's arrested. The plan of hell is thwarted. When God's people pray, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, glory to God. Lord, no weapon for the against me. You know, there's an energy. Man, you get charged. Hallelujah. Satan, get thee behind me in the name of the most high God. You're like a warrior. Hallelujah. When you start praying, there ain't no devil in hell that could rise up against you. But when you ain't praying, <laughs> prayer meeting ain't over yet. I'll go back to sleep. And then you get into the car, the car breaks, the oil needs to be changed, everything. And you're like, what's going on? God, what's going on? You blame it on God, but it's you. Hallelujah. You blame God, but it's really you. Hallelujah. You still love me today? Praise God. Hallelujah. Then let me continue. Praise God. We got to plug into the power of prayer this morning. And I'm not just talking about the ladies, because ladies are more relational. Ladies can find it a lot easier to pray. Guys, let's be real. Can we keep it real, men of God? We got to work at it. Hallelujah. All right, I, I guess the men are sleeping. Hallelujah. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Don't make me call out of Richie to call, call us to do some push-ups. Oh, oh, oh. Praise God. He'll get all drill instructor on us and start making us do some push-ups. Listen, women are relational. Yes. Guys, we got to work at it. Amen. We got to work at it. We got to work it out. We don't want to talk to our wife, especially after a long, hard day of work. Where are the rice and beans? Put the chicken on the table. And because I'm dad, I get the big piece of chicken. That's all we want. Where's the big piece of chicken? Hallelujah. The last thing we want to do, honey, how was your day? Did you sell anything? Oh, all I get is 20 questions. It's the same thing relating to God. God wants relationship. But we got other things going on that are more important than talking to the Lord. And we got to work at it. But I'm telling you, men of God, hallelujah, when you start praying, your wife will be like, whoop, to the, whoop, to the, you know, some of us have wife that have to take over because the man is so weak. He hasn't done anything in years. And the wife has to run the church, run the house, run the, the job, pay for the bills, pay for the car, do the oil change. And the guy is sitting home watching TV. Hallelujah. Maybe I'm getting off topic here. Hallelujah. Guys, when you start praying, everything returns to order. And prayer, it might start with a little minute, and then you get to two minutes, and it starts to five minutes. Hallelujah. I can always tell those that have difficulty praying, when I say, um, uh, brother, could you come and lead us in prayer? They're like, ah! It's like the Wizard of Oz. You put a drop on the witch and she dies. A drop of water. You know, prayer is, should be like breathing. It's a, it's, a, it's a conversation with God. 
And there's certain times we, we say, can, can you lead us in prayer? Oh, pastor. And there's some people that, that during the prayer, they're like, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me. They'll do this. Don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me. I love Brother Angel. He says, you know what? Pick me anytime you want because that's the only way I'm going to come out of my, my, my shell. I'm all, that's the only way. Put me in the test, in the fire. If I'm ready, if I ain't ready, that's the only way it's going to happen. Go ahead. Call me anytime you want. But, but you see, when you have a prayer life with God, it's, it's a joy. Hallelujah. All right. I'm going in deep. Here we go. Buckle in. Praise God. Not all prayers are heard by God. It's time to buckle your seatbelts because it's about to get raw in here. God does not hear the prayers of sinners. God does not hear the prayers of the hypocrites, the sexually immoral, cheaters, liars, the hateful, the gossipers, the complainers, the backsliders. He will only hear the first prayer, which is the prayer of repentance. That's the truth. God is not to be mocked. And what happens all the time, and I see it all the time, we cannot live a lifestyle of sin and then ask God to bless the sin. It's contrary to his will to his character, to his nature, it's in the word. If you read the word, you know what God will support and what he won't support. You can't live an openly homosexual lifestyle and ask God to bless it. Just like you can't live in fornication and ask God to bless it. You can't live out of wedlock fornicating and ask God to bless your relationship. You can't, you know, do drugs and when you're high, yo, let's, let's get to prayer now. <laughs> it takes the edge off when I'm high. I, I get right with God. You know, you know, because God made weed. God made weed, right? Didn't he make weed? Yeah, but he also made hemlock. And if you smoke it, you'll die of poisoning. We, we try to justify the sin in our life and then ask God to put a happy sticker on it. When God can't do it, he can't do it. He won't answer that prayer. He's not even hearing it. Our sinful lifestyles and our practices are contrary to the will of God and his character. It's called the sin of tempting Christ or the sin of omission. The book of James says, he that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. All over Facebook, you'll see people say, girl, I'm praying for you, and they'll put hands. I'll pray for you, girl. Listen, keep your prayer. Don't pray for me. It's a waste of time. If you ain't blood-brought, spirit-filled, righteous, don't even pray for me. I don't want your prayer. You're wasting your time and my time. And a hundred, I'll say, all right, let's say 99%. The people that say I'm praying for you won't pray anyway. 
Even if they know their prayer ain't going to hurt, they ain't praying for you. The minute they go to the next post, they already forgot that you had a headache. They already forgot that you need your bills paid and then you need help. They're, I'll pray for you, girl. <laughs> Praying hands. And then they go to the next post, forgot all about you. But it sounds good, right? Doesn't it sound good? I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. We're a deceived nation. We're, we're, we're full of wickedness and we see it all over the place. The prayers of the righteous is what we need. And, and, and I guess some people are probably saying, you know, you're being real, real tough this morning. But let me give you some scriptures to stand on. Hallelujah. Don't just take my word for it. Amen. Yes. Praise God. Proverbs 28.9. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Not just, I won't hear it. It's an abomination. Unholy, ungodly. It's plain out wickedness. Abominable. Let me give you one more. John 9, 31. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears them. Can it get more cut and dry than that? We don't need a PhD to understand that one. It's real simple. We, we got to put away those foolish things. And there are prayers that God will not hear if your life is out of order. I, I started earlier by saying, what is in this world that is so strong, that has got a hold on you so great that you can't let it go? What is it in our life that we are not willing to part with and we're going to hinder our prayers because we won't do things the right way. Let me talk about husbands. Bam, there it goes. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them. They're talking about your wife. Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to your wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Here it comes that your prayers may not be hindered. So in other words, if you are not even including your wives in your decision-making, if you're not treating her as an equal partner, as, as an important vessel in the life of your family, then God is going, hum. He's not hearing your prayers. Your prayers are hindered. And, and we could go on and on, right? The Lord says if you got an offense with your brother or something's wrong, don't even bring your gift at the altar. Lay your thing down. Go and make peace with your brother. There are certain times, listen, of all people on earth, God's people, we should know how to uh, uh, rectify situations in our life. So that we bring honor and glory to God. Things have to be in proper alignment. The prayers of the righteous. Those are the ones that God will hear. The prayer of, of a repentant heart, of a contrite spirit, someone who means business with God, and then he begins to have a relationship with that person when their blood brought, when they're washed with the blood of the lamb, and he begins to listen to their prayers. The prayers of the righteous, purchased by God. 
Hallelujah. The righteous who have God's truth and God's grace, who live sober, sincere, and upright. The righteous who walk by faith and not by sight. The righteous who spend time in the presence of God. In the scriptures, we read of many righteous men and women who spent time with God, and as a result, they did great things, great exploits in God's kingdom. And we read about it. Job, Moses, Daniel, Deborah, Ruth, Esther, and I can go on and on and on. But in this particular passage we read this morning, there's one particular guy that God pointed out in the word, and that's the prophet Elijah. The prophet Elijah, he's a man of like passions, a, a man with the nature just like us. There are sects today that believe that Elijah was an angel and not a man. But the Bible clearly states that he was a man. He was born in sin like all of us. He was just a man. First Kings 19.4, it says that Elijah under the broom tree, these are the words that he said himself. He says, I'm no better than my ancestors. Elijah was there. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was fed by ravens, a, a, a widow, and then later an angel. He was a man. He was subject to reproach, affliction, and persecution, just like every single one of us are also. King Ahab called Elijah the troubler of Israel. Queen Jezebel had a contract out for his life. What made Elijah different? He was a righteous man. He had a prayer life, and that made him dangerous. Elijah prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed again, and the rains came back. Not only that, Elijah was the kind of guy that his prayer life was so in tune with God, he drew fire from the sky and burnt up a sacrifice that had like 12 different barrels of water on in a drought of all times, poured on it. Some of us couldn't pray our way out of a paper bag. And when the going gets tough, we give up on God. We complain and right away we'll say, this doesn't work. This prayer stuff, this doesn't work for me. And we give excuses why we can't pray even publicly. And we start by complaining. Listen, the same way that Elijah was able to draw fire from, sky, uh, from the sky, you could do the same thing. We might think that that's impossible. But we sang earlier, nothing is impossible. Through you, I can do all things, right? With, with man, there are things that are impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah called fire from the sky. Do you know why he was able to call fire from the sky? Because he knew the God that he was praying to. He knew that God shows up at the place of sacrifice. Remember, a three and a half year drought. 
And what did he do? If you read the story in the book of Ezekiel, right? I believe it's Ezekiel. And he, he says, get all the water barrels. He tells the prophets. He goes, pour the water onto the sacrifice. These guys must have been like, water, water. <gasps> There's a drought. Three and a half years, animals are dying. Trees are dying. Everything's dying. And they take the last bit of water and pour it on a sacrifice. He knew God was going to show up at the place of sacrifice. I don't know what it is that you have in your life, but whatever you're willing to lay it down on behalf of God, hallelujah, he will show up at your place of sacrifice. God shows up in the midst of the sacrifice of his people. Elijah was intentional. He was habitual. He prayed through crisis, through the storms. He prayed for a widow's son that was dead, a widow that fed him. And all of a sudden her son dies and says, is this the God that you serve? You came here to bring death to my house? And he began to negotiate with God. He prayed. He laid on top of this boy three times. All of a sudden the boy, <laughs> life came right back into his body. Elijah had a servant. He says, okay, it's time to release the curse. I'm going to go pray. The Bible says he put his hand, his head and his hands between his knees, almost like in the, in the form of a birthing of a situation. And he began to pray. He tells his servant, go out there and look for the cloud of rain. And seven times the servant went and looked, and there was no, six times there was no cloud. And every time he came back, he says, go back out there. Go back out there. How many of us would have given up? Oh, God, why isn't it raining? What? He said, go back out. Go back out. Amen. Go back out. Go. On the seventh time, the servant said, hey, there, there's a little cloud all the way in the distance, a little black cloud. He says, get your umbrella. It's about to rain up in here. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, we got to stay steadfast. We can't give up when it's tough. We got to stay perseverant. We, we got we to gotta fight all the way through until the end. Elijah, he didn't whisper or give lip service. Hallelujah. He wasn't cold or lukewarm or lifeless. He wasn't formal or customary. Elijah was a prayer warrior that brother was a prayer machine on earth hallelujah he was intense and he got results and his his steward uh, elisha with a sha he said if you see me as i go to heaven and you catch my my cloak you my gift a double portion will pass on to you and elijah said word all right I'm going to go with you everywhere. I don't care where you go. There, there you go. That's where you go. Okay. All right. There we go. All right. Yep. Yep. I ain't leaving your side. You can't even kick me out. Hallelujah. You got that, and I'm getting double of what you had? Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Fuck that. Boom. You see... We, we have to be prepared. We got to be watchful. In season, out of season. When it's raining, when it's snowing, when it's convenient, when it's not convenient. We need to be like Elisha. Man, I'm ready. Bring it. Let's go. Double portion. Saints of God, you cannot go publicly where you have not gone privately. Your ministry on Sunday should be a result of where you have been Monday through Saturday. Hallelujah. 
I'm going to go quickly. Devotion. The problem with many in the body of Christ is there's a lack of devotion. Praise God. Devotion. Religious fervor. It's an act of prayer in private worship. It's a religious exercise or practice other than the corporate worship of a congregation. In other words, it's something you do in private. It's the act of devoting time and energy to be with the Lord. It's a state of being ardently dedicated and loyal to God. It's private. It's dedicated. It's loyal. It is the most honest act of your will between you and Abba Father. This can only happen as you begin to enter into a prayer life with God and fall in love with Jesus Christ. It can only happen in the secret place. I can't make you fall in love with God just like I can't make you fall in love with me. It has to come through your time spent with the Spirit of God. There are so many people that are church-wise. We have church etiquette down to a science. We are experts at church lingo and, and, and experts of presentation. But the one thing we are not experts in is our knowledge of God the Father. Think of this. Every time I, I quote this, it, it, it shakes me. Mahatma Gandhi, one of the Hindu leaders, he says, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Remember, the world is watching. And if we're not living right, and if we're not praying, and we're not spending time in God's presence, they see. When we spend time in the presence of God, it's intimate. The word intimacy, my, my wife says, into me see. When, when we're intimate with God, it opens up a door between us and God. I'm going to give you three quick scriptures. I'm going to put these up so you could write them down. 1 John 5, 18 through 20. It says, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God of eternal life. Let me tell you something. When we know someone in the biblical sense, seeds are planted. And when we know God, God's seed is implanted in us, the seed of his son, the seed of his spirit, the seed of his, of his word. Matthew 18, I'm sorry, I put it up. Matthew, thir uh, Matthew 13, 23, it says, but he who receives seed on the, good, on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundred, some 60, and some 30. The last one in Mark, right, when we placate God with religious rites, 
or, or spiritual acts, we're very far from him. And that's what we often do. We try to play the game sometimes. Mark 7, it says, the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with the unwashed hands? And he answered and said, these are Jesus' words. He said, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines of the commandments of men. Let that not be us. Hallelujah. Let our walk with God be so pure and so true and so sweet that even when we drop the ball, we could go before the Lord and say, Lord, I, I, I failed you, Lord God. Lord, have mercy on my soul. Oh, God, look upon me. I'm frail. I'm, I'm a human. Oh, God, I did it again. Lord, forgive me. Help me. That's why the Bible says the righteous fall down seven times and they get up again. Dust yourself off. Hallelujah. Devotions are a precursor to your day. It's a time for you to sell out. Hallelujah. A time for you not to be lukewarm, but to be totally devoted to God. Again, I'm going to give you three more verses of scripture. Revelations 3.16. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. We have to understand to be lukewarm is a mixture of hot and cold. It's a mixture of the world and of the spirit or the world and the church. You can't have them both because you will become a lukewarm Christian. So it's either all or nothing. James 4.4. It says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. In other words, to befriend the world is spiritual adultery against the Lord. Titus 1, 15 and 16. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about to get better right now. Hallelujah. I'm going to let you off the hook. Hallelujah. Praise God. Woo. Glory to God. We got through that. Hallelujah. Saints of God, we could avoid all of that by getting alone with God. Hallelujah. By getting into the secret place with the presence of the Lord. My son read earlier Psalm 91. It's a beautiful, wonderful chapter in Scripture. Glory to God. And, and look at Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 1 through 8. There's another uh, portion of Scripture. If you could write it down, read it at home. Glory to God. This is important. The Bible says, whatever you do in charity... Do it in secret. For there are those that do things publicly for everyone to see. And then Jesus said, assuredly, they shall have their reward in full. But whatever is done in secret, God, not only will he bless you for what is done in secret, but he'll bless you publicly and openly. So, so, you know, I mean, it's sometimes tempting. We do something great for God and we want to share. I, I, I did this for the Lord. And then your neighbor will come and say, wow, you all right. 
And they pat you on the back. Well done. Guess what? That's your reward in full. That's the reward. The man reward. Where they go, you the man. You the bomb.com. That's your reward in full. But when God blesses you, hallelujah, and blesses you openly, glory to God, everybody's like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And you're going, oh, yes, it's amazing. Oh, my God. Everybody wins. Hallelujah. I'd rather receive the, the, the praise and the blessing from the Lord than from anyone openly and publicly. There are three things that we should do, and I'm going to fly through these. Hallelujah. Here's my first close. Hallelujah. Three things that we should do to maintain our life with God. Number one on the list, prayer. Prayer produces intimacy with the one whom you pray for or pray to, which is God. Prayer deepens your devotion. Prayer separates you from the world, draws you closer to God. Prayer allows you to hear God, to dialogue with God, and to actually uh, uh, listen to him. It helps you to know God. Colossians 4.2, it says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. One thing I'll say really quick about prayer before I move on. When you are alone in your secret place and you're praying, I'm not talking about the public setting, but in prayer by yourself. Take a few moments and zip it. Zip it good. Because if we're doing all the talking, then you can't hear from God. And prayer is absolutely, without question, a dialogue between two. God will speak to you. But you have to still your heart and still your voice. Take a minute or two and just. And all of a sudden he begins to upload scriptures and verses and thoughts in your mind. And sometimes you see images and little visions and different things. And then you say, oh, that was good. How do you start writing it down? Keep a prayer journal. Sometimes God says things to us in prayer. And when we get out of the prayer room, we forgot what he said. Write it down, write it down, write it down. God will upload stuff. And you might say, man, this was weird. I don't know what he said this for. And then you go out to Walmart and somebody's in there and says, yeah, okay. Just like Jesus said, I saw you praying under the fig tree. God will tell you exactly what you need to do in the prayer room. And when you go out in public, you won't be caught off guard. Amen. You with me? Prayer unlocks that presence, the power. It's important. And if you have unforgiveness in your heart, listen, forget about it. If you have unforgiveness, don't even think of praying for anybody or anything. Get that resolved and do that quickly. There will be no unforgiveness in heaven. You literally could disqualify yourself because of your unwillingness to forgive. So before you move any further, if there's somebody that did something to you as a child and you still have bitterness, you have a mom and dad that just wasn't good to you, you have somebody that violated you, molested you, did something terrible. I'm not saying that they deserve your friendship, but I am saying let it go in the name of Jesus. Release them. Forgive them. Don't carry it. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. So you could move on. Amen? Amen? One of these days we're going to talk about forgiveness all morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. The next thing we need to do, have a lifestyle of worship. 
Worship is the weapon of our warfare. It strengthens your devotion. It charges you. It's God's cannon pointed at the gates of hell. Worship was Lucifer's job, but it was now given to you and me. We took over that job. That's why he hates you. Worship paralyzes the enemy. Hallelujah. Worship, uh, Psalm 29.2, give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Psalm 95.6, oh come, let us worship and bow down, bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God and maker. John 4.23.24, it says, but the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. Listen. When you're at church, if you find it difficult to throw up holy hands, something is wrong. If you find it difficult to open up your mouth and say, hallelujah, something is wrong. If you are in church and everybody around you is crying, ah, I call it the ugly cry, and you're sitting here like this, Something is wrong. Hallelujah. Worship is the thank you that cannot be silenced. Worship will erupt out of your spirit. You can't help but get the worship and let it out. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Even if you can't sing, God loves your voice. Hallelujah. Even if you don't got right tempo, God loves your worship. Even if you can't play an instrument, God loves your worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. If you worship more, you would complain less. If you worship God, you would be less stressed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The reason why people are tripping is they ain't worshiping God. If you're a worshiper, glory to God, and you're sitting next to somebody who ain't worshiping, throw an arm around and say, hallelujah, yes. Let some of that rub off on them. Because we don't got no problem worshiping at the club. Throw your hands up in the air and wave them like you just don't care. Whoop, 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 whoop. Where are my dogs at? You turn into a dog. Where are my dogs at? I'm telling you the truth. And we get to church and we're like this. He's singing too long. My feet are tired. Throw some holy hands up in the air and worship God in this place. Hallelujah. God is worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Worthy is the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get over yourself. Hallelujah. Let go. Last point, 
Meditation. And I'm not talking about this. That is not meditation. That's an abomination. Meditation, I'm not getting weird on you, hallelujah. It's in the word, read the book. Meditation is simply focused thinking. That's it. Meditate on God's word day and night. Here's some more scriptures for you, a whole bunch, hallelujah. When, when you meditate, it's like a laser beam of focused light. Energy, if you will. You know, I, I used to watch this show on, on Discovery Channel with the motorcycle, the cho chopper guys, whatever. When they designed their little metal things to put on the motorcycles, it was a water jet that would cut the steel. The machine, it was a water jet. And what it would do, it would shoot out a laser, a, a little pinpoint fine line of high pressure water. It was so strong, that little pressure that it was able to cut through solid steel. And they would make all these designs and cut through with water. I couldn't believe it. When you meditate on God's word, right? The Bible says, blessed is the man that meditates on his word. Uh, uh, he'll be like a tree planted by living waters, right? We meditate within our heart, uh, uh, Psalm 4.4. Meditate day and night, Psalm 77.6. Meditate on all the good things, Philippians 4.8. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are pure, upright, right? Think on these things. Why are you going to think of, oh, my God, I can't pay my car. Oh, my God, the bills ain't going to get paid. Oh, my God, my daughter's acting out. Oh, my God, my kid. You know, what word are you standing on? Glory to God. What does the word say about the problem? Start getting into the word and then meditate on that word. You'll see things change. Whatever you meditate on privately will be revealed publicly. 1 Timothy 4 Hallelujah. The scripture is going to literally come to life. It will come to life and everything will begin to be manifested in the open. I'm closing. This one's the real close. I mean it. Hallelujah. Church, it's time to grow up. It's time to put your big boy shoes on. Your big girl's shoes on. It's time to not get offended by the truth, but embrace the truth and just roll with it. Hallelujah. Stop getting offended. Praise God so easily. It's time to grow up. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, It says, listen closely. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I understood like a child, I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things away. So a child speaks first, understands what they're talking about after they speak, and then they give it thought after they think they understood about what they spoke. That's called immaturity. But when you reverse the order as an adult, you think first, you understand what you're about to say second, and then you speak last. Two ears, one mouth. Two ears, one mouth. Slow to speak, 
quick to hear. Hallelujah, right? That's the process of maturity. And what happens is sometimes we speak before we get all the facts. Hallelujah. If we're going to do great exploits for God, we need to reverse our thinking process a little bit. And it all starts in prayer. Saints of God, everything begins and ends with prayer. Nothing matters. At the end of your life, nothing matters except for the relationship that you have with God. I've been at the bedside of several people. We have some nurses in the room that have seen people in hospice. I, I can tell you with all truth and sincerity, at no time when I've ever been by the bedside of someone with hours to live, did they ever ask for their checkbook, their computer, their cell phone, nothing. The keys to their car, what they asked for was, where's mommy? Where's papi? Where's Junebug? Right? Where, where's your loved one's relationship? And most importantly, what's your relationship with God like? Church, we will all level up. We will all come up a little higher as a body. We will be a force in this city. We will take this city back for God. And no question about it in my mind and my heart. But it all has to start in the foundation of prayer. When God's people begin to pray, things will change in this church, in your family, in your home, in your career. Whatever you feed will live. Whatever you starve will die. You feed the spirit, kill and starve the flesh. Be holy because he is holy. Be righteous because he is righteous. So, are you suffering today? Pray. Are you cheerful? Sing songs unto the Lord. Are you sick? Call upon the elders, mature leaders in Christ to anoint you with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal your flesh. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. God bless you this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's bow our heads, saints of God. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. We are able to bring this message to you because of the generous support of listeners like you. If you have been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? For a love offering of any amount, we will be happy to send you a CD copy of today's message. To make a donation is easy. Please visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-342-9989. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-342-9989. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.